Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being ahead on the technological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. My name is Jamie Birch. I am the host of this podcast and the co-founder and CEO of JEB Commerce, your award-winning affiliate management agency. Now, I have a really awesome guest today, uh, Mike McNerney from MarTech Record, and we're going to talk about all those things. But before we do, I want to let you know that there are a couple ways that you can get help with your affiliate channel from JEB Commerce. You can email us any question you have at gethelp at jebcommerce.com, uh, and I, will, uh, I get that email personally, and I will handle any questions you have. You can also just set up time on my calendar. So I've set up time since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. I've set aside time to help anyone uh, be successful in this turbulent and uncertain uh, period uh, of uh, probably the most in, in my lifetime. So you can go to calendly.com slash Jamie Birch, and you can set up time to talk about all the things you want to talk about. This morning, had a really great conversation uh, with a relatively new vendor in the, in the affiliate space, and it was fantastic. And he was just able to put that time on my calendar. So please, you can use those two means to get any help with your affiliate channel. Now, on to our guest today. There are a couple things that we talk about today that I think are going to blow your mind. So we're going to talk about affiliate marketing, definitely. We're going to talk about the stodgy world of publishing. And we're, we're going to dive into how affiliate marketing is good for democracy. So if you're saying, Jamie, that's hyperbole, uh, you're, just, you're just being silly. I'm not being silly. I hadn't thought of this. Mike uh, offers a great intro to that. So I am going to be quiet. I'm going to step back and I'm going to let you listen to uh, another wonderful conversation with an industry expert. And so here is my conversation with Mike McNerney from MarTech Record. All right, Mike, welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. I appreciate uh, you having me here. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, and thank you for your patience uh, in rescheduling multiple times uh, through my busy background. I think we tried to record it while I was sitting in a pickup truck in California uh, on my trip not too long ago, and uh, that did uh, not work. I learned very quickly that an enclosed area with lots of glass is not the best audio for a podcast. <laughs> well, you know, live and learn. It's, I think we both had some... Uh, some good reasons for rescheduling, I should say. Yeah, and you know, you you've had quite the pandemic year. You you went uh, traveling. You and I met actually probably the only other person besides my wife I've had dinner with or lunch with in uh, in twelve months while you were passing through. Yeah, I mean, I had um, you know in a very unfortunate year for for all of us. Um, 
I managed to have some reasonably good experiences. Uh, one of them was, you know, starting this business. Uh, the other uh, was just taking a solo road trip across the country. And, you know, you happen to be on the path. And so um, uh, I re- appreciate the time we got to spend together. You're, I think you're the only person I had an actual in-person meeting with uh, in, in, during that time. Yeah, uh, same same here. Very, uh, very crazy time. And, and now are you back in New York or are you still I know you were spent you spent uh, a bunch of time uh, working, uh, skiing, maybe in the morning, working in the afternoon. Yeah, I'm back in uh, back in New York City now. But, uh, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people know, New York is not the greatest place uh, in February, uh, regardless of pandemic True. situation. Uh, it's kind of slow and cold. And so um, I spent the uh, the month of February in Steamboat Springs, uh, which is a lot better than New York in February. So I got uh, I got to test out whether I could ski in the morning and, and work all afternoon. It turns out it uh, you can do it. So I was very lucky to be able to do that. There's a lot of uh, a lot. I think a lot of people are finding through, uh, you know, a silver lining in the last uh, 16 months or so that they can really work from anywhere and that flexibility. Um, like I said, last time we had this scheduled, I was uh, just starting, I think in the first week of a three week long trip of uh, working and my family riding our horses uh, all over the place in California and Oregon. And uh, now I come back with a renewed energy of like to tell my staff, like you shouldn't just sit at home. <laughs> you can go right. and be productive, you know, anywhere and safe. Uh, so it's it's been kind of a silver lining for sure. Yeah, I mean, if I've learned one thing uh, in the last you know year, it's that I'm not going to make any predictions because <laughs> I clearly have no idea yeah. uh, what anything means. Uh, but um, it does seem like this is going to you know have us all rethink you know what work life balance means and and how we want to uh, live our lives, you know, how that plays out. Uh, <laughs> I'm no expert. I'm not going to be uh, dumb enough to make any predictions, but uh, it certainly gives us different opportunities. And one that, I mean, really worked uh, relatively well for me. So uh, I'm sure other people had similar experiences. And I definitely want to dive into what you're doing now, but from our pre uh, our prep conversation, you've been preparing for podcasting for, for a year since high school. Tell me about your <laughs> radio show. Uh, it's funny, like that's that's probably the one part of the conversation I haven't like regularly been talking about over the last year. You know, <laughs> like I've gotten pretty. You know, as you start a business, you you get pretty good at kind of giving the pitch and telling your story. Um, yeah, yeah, we yeah, dig pretty deep here this. at the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we go all the way back, but yeah, I, I hadn't yeah. thought about it until we were chatting. That you know, I do have experience in radio. Uh, when I was in high school, my my high school. Uh, had its own FM radio station, uh, 88.1 WNTH. And, uh, you know, as like a freshman, you know, they, you got to like try out and you, you would go and you'd get your FCC license. You had to kind of take you know, a test that said you wouldn't swear online and you kind of understood what, uh, you know, <laughs> all of the regulations uh, that, that existed were, and then they gave you a show. And so uh, I had a show that was uh, every every Wednesday at noon, uh, my buddy Chris and I had like a half an hour slot on WNTH and, uh, you know, we, we, I think like my grandmother was probably the only person who listened to <laughs> like Lawrence Welk requests and things like that. Uh, but you know, we, we had a blast and, uh, you know, spinning well, Lawrence Welk, that was not yeah. something I thought was going to come up. <laughs> no, it was that. And then like, we'd go into my buddy Chris's uh, the older brother's, 
uh, room and steal his like you know cassette tapes uh, <laughs> of, of like bad rap bands from the 80s and stuff and we'd try to play those and I mean I'm sure it was not something anyone would listen to but uh, I ended up going to college like pretty close by to that high school and uh, <laughs> one of the funnier moments is you know, one of my fraternity buddies was like, you know, I, I found this really awesome station that like I've never heard of before. It's playing like great music. It's called WNTH. And I was like, what? And so <laughs> college, that, that's who was listening. It was my grandmother and a bunch of frat guys. Yeah, so that's, anyway, yeah. That's awesome. I had visions of Christian Slater and pump up the volume and you driving <laughs> around in a panel van uh, evading the uh, FCC. That was, that was probably a few years after that movie. So believe me, I had those visions as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, tell us uh, like your origin story. How, uh, you know, how did your career start and, and how did you find affiliate marketing? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think, you know, affiliates, one of those things that um, everyone kind of found in a weird way, uh, which is maybe why uh, I feel like I fit in and enjoy uh, <laughs> the industry. Um, but I can't definitely came to it a little later, um, despite having spent all of my career in uh, marketing and, and publishing. Um, but I really come to like, uh, love the industry for a lot of reasons. And I, I think for me, it's because of my background. Um, I, I started my career out of college in advertising, and, and this was like before uh, there was really digital advertising at all. Um, you know, there was, I was working at Ogilvy in New York, and there was like a few guys in the basement who made banner ads, and you know, like no one ever yeah. talked to them. Um, and all you wanted to do was work on like a Super Bowl ad and uh, we really didn't pay any attention to these guys. And so I definitely was not at any kind of forefront uh, of digital. I was, you know, off working on the brand side, creating, you know, big like TV stuff. And um, uh, went back to grad school because uh, I just didn't uh, see myself spending uh, my career in the agency world. And, uh, you know, when you apply to business school, they make you say exactly what you want to do. The reality is most of us have no idea what we want to do. And neither did I. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you it two years to kind of like interview everywhere and learn as much as you can and be exposed to a bunch of uh, smart people. And um, I came out of it, you know, with kind of renewed interest in in marketing and advertising, but knowing that I didn't really want to do it um, either on the agency side or really the brand side. Um, you know, I, I just it, the brand world to me was a little too rigid. Um, you know, it was kind of like the army. It's like you're an assistant account executive and then a, or an assistant brand manager and then a brand manager. Um, and I found myself um, with two job offers, one at Yahoo, which at the time was actually like still competing with Google. Uh, so like for, for those younger listeners, like that was a good job offer uh, at the time. Uh, and then I got this offer at McGraw-Hill, which seemed like the last thing I would accept uh, as an old stodgy uh, publishing company. And it was uh, one of these management development programs where you rotated around the company for a couple of years and got these general management roles. Uh, and I just found it very interesting because uh, it was a broken product. Um, you know, McGraw-Hill was in the middle of this kind of digital transformation. This is 2006. Uh, they really didn't know uh, what the future looked like. We're very nervous about it. Uh, and because I'd worked like 10 weeks at Yahoo and an internship, you know, they thought I was like a digital guru. Um, and so I, I took that job because I just liked the idea that here was like a, a great venerable brand that had a lot of quality data and information uh, and was trying to figure out the future. And to me, that was really, really interesting. And um, I ended up rotating around doing a, a number of different jobs 
you know, they had they owned S and P, which is Standard and Poor's. They own McGraw Hill Education, which most people are most familiar of. With uh, and but probably the least familiar group was their Information and Media Group, which was a trade publishing group. And so they had um, a, a publication that covered aviation, uh, one that covered uh, energy markets. Um, and one that covered design and construction. And, and I ended up working in that business, uh, kind of running their digital media group. And this was in its very infancy and exactly the wrong time to have this job. So it was right when like, you know, digital was really transforming uh, these markets and there weren't any tools to fix it. And my job was to fix it. And so like I was, you know, relatively young, um, had like a somewhat senior position and was told like, hey, uh, we have, you know, all these millions of dollars we're making that are going away and you got to figure out, uh, you know, how to solve that problem. And, um, wow. you know, it was interesting and fun because, you know, we had to go in there and kind of figure out how do you take a page of advertising in a, in a you know, periodical and make the same amount of money online. And uh, in 2008, 9, 10, it wasn't that obvious. Um, in fact, uh, spoiler alert, it was not uh, possible, basically. And so mm -hmm. uh, I learned a ton in that time, um, but we really just didn't have the tools to fix um, uh, the product at the time. I mean, it really was like, how do I create a bigger banner ad was like <laughs> the best thing we came up with. Yeah. And so uh, when, when those businesses got sold off to private equity, uh, I left and, and joined a series of you know, SaaS tech companies, uh, usually in kind of a strategy or business development role. Uh, and the common thread was all of those sold into marketing organizations. And uh, what I learned uh, in, in those jobs uh, was that marketers are really good at marketing, uh, but not very good at buying technology. Um, and so uh, that kind of always stuck with me, uh, that there wasn't the kind of information um, in the marketing technology world that there was in the aviation or energy or, or, or um, construction markets where you know there was a lot of transparency around what you bought and sold. Um, the last company that I joined, and it really was not something I knew very much about, was Partnerize, which is an affiliate marketing platform. And I got recruited off of LinkedIn and um, had no idea what affiliate marketing was. I mean, I had an idea, uh, but I didn't really understand the, the guts of the business um, and really kind of had no intention of, of, of joining until I started to sit down and really understand the potential uh, of this technology and the market. And the more I... Uh, started to understand this company, which was partnerized in the market, I, I started to see that, like, wait a minute, like, this is technology that if I had had this 10 years ago, um, I would have been able to address a lot of the issues that that uh, I'd had when I was at McGraw-Hill. Uh, and that was exciting to me. It was like, oh, wait, here's this market that's growing, uh, that still has a lot of inefficiency, um, but has a lot of energetic people. Um, and you look at the rest of the marketing landscape at the time, and it just wasn't very exciting, right? Like how exciting is search? It's it's an algorithm, mm -hmm. right? Same with social, like you plug in, I wanna spend a hundred dollars and reach these people and like, it's over, you do it. Um, and it's a bunch of machines do it for you. And here was affiliate, which still relied on people, um, which didn't have a great connection between, you know, supply and demand side, but was being fixed uh, and had the ability to address these kind of core uh, challenges that, that publishers face. And so, uh, I dove in kind of headfirst, um, really enjoyed uh, my time at Partnerize, learned a ton about the industry, met you, met a lot of other people, uh, and realized it's a place that kind of fit my personality, um, <laughs> for better or worse. And um, 
and I could thrive. And so uh, eventually uh, kind of that, that nugget that had always been in my head that, hey, there's not very good information for buyers and sellers in this market um, came to fruition when I founded MarTech Record, which was an effort to create a trade publication uh, for the industry. Um, so I, that's a long answer for you, but uh, you know maybe maybe your editors can chop that up. Uh, no, no, that's great. I think it's all it's all great. It really paints the picture of your, and I think you're right. You you said earlier. I think everyone came to affiliate in a, in a weird way, uh, and and I think there are definitely a ton uh, of stories that uh, that back that up. And yours is unique amongst those you know, uh, thousands of unique, uh, ways to, to get into the channel in that, that trade publication and, and the, the, like you said, the, uh, stodgy world of, uh, publishing, uh, and bringing that in. I don't know if anyone else would have been positioned right to do what you're, you're doing now. Yeah. Well, the experience of McGraw-Hill was really transformative for me, um, because, it was a very stodgy organization. Um, and not only could we not have solved these problems uh, with the technology at the time, which uh, didn't exist, you know, I, the, the challenge was also the cultural challenge. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, the division between editorial uh, and the sales organization was something that had been put in place a hundred years prior and was you know, almost religious in the way it was enforced. And so I had and have an appreciation for how hard it is uh, for organizations to change. And, you know, we can look at it from the outside and say, hey, why don't we just apply the affiliate model to all the content in the world? And it may make kind of strategic sense, right? But understanding how hard it is to retrain a sales organization or apply work with the finance team to think about different incentive structures for sales, um, you know, to make sure that, you know, how, how do you, if you're going to write review content, for example, you know, how, how do you have different editorial teams or, or do you have them together? And, you know, how do you ensure kind of uh, that there, there's still an unbiased product? Uh, and these are kind of cultural as much as operational issues that I kind of learned to appreciate. Yeah, did you have like whiplash when you got into the affiliate and digital marketing world from there where things change very slowly, if at all, to where it seems every week uh, is is different in our world? Well, I was lucky enough to spend probably five years between McGraw-Hill and affiliate at other kind of SaaS technology or SaaS platforms where, there, where you know, the speed was pretty quick. So I'd gotten used to, you know, a much faster um, pace. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I will I will say I'll tell you the story of um, I I got to uh, uh, partnerize and um, pretty shortly after that I ended up in a meeting uh, with uh, I won't say the name a giant uh, publisher uh, a well known giant uh, legacy publisher and you know I'm in this meeting you know and I'm looking out over New York and we're, they're talking about their editorial teams that are writing review content. And I, you know, I almost like passed out because I was like, <laughs> I would have inspired at McGraw-Hill and I brought this up. And so it occurred to me in the five years or so between, you know, my, my role at McGraw-Hill um, and, uh, and joining Partnerize, a lot of things had changed, you know, and it's a conversation that would not have happened five years prior. Um, so yeah, things are stodgy. Yeah, things uh, take a while to change. Um, but, uh, <laughs> they also change really quick when you don't pay attention for five years. So yeah. That's and true. then also part of 
Rise was an incredibly fast moving organization that uh, I think gave a lot of people whiplash in a very good way. Uh, it trained me, you know, I, I joined a team of just really hardworking, um, you know, people who kind of tried a bunch of different stuff. And, uh, you know, at McGraw Hill, you couldn't try a bunch of different stuff. You, it was all about, you know, slowly doing the right thing. And, you know, at Partnerize, it was try and fail and move quickly and uh, see what works. And, uh, you know, you weren't going to get fired for trying something. So it took me a while to learn that. But once, once I did, it became really fun. That story kind of reminds me of when we started to reach out to bloggers in our space and there was uh, just this strict adherence to not monetizing uh, and not selling out. And this isn't what we do. My content is my content. Don't right. contact me. And now I don't know of a blog that's not trying to, to monetize in some way. And now we have large media companies becoming publishers themselves, becoming affiliates themselves. And so this rapid change, maybe not rapid, but it, it, there was a lot of change in, in how this industry perceived that content and that editorial and the, the, the place of both that content and a, a sales, a revenue producing you know, perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to overstate kind of the almost religious-esque fervor that journalists and publishers have had for you know, a century around the separation of um, you know, the content they create and the sales team. And, and there's very good reasons for that. And so uh, it makes sense to me, a lot of sense to me, why you know, it's taken a long time for that to shift. And for me, the aha moment, and I think this happens to everyone, is is realizing that um, there's no reason why affiliates, um, you know, causes you to to be biased in what you're writing about, right? Like it, the un underlying yeah. business model is not the, the problem, right? It's how you apply that, right? It's 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 the model you build in your organization, and so I think there was just a long time where you know, everyone assumed that because the business model was different, there would obviously be worse content, you know, for whatever reason. And so it was just easy to say that you weren't monetizing it. Uh, that has changed. And it's changed because of a lot of really smart people who are kind of rebuilding organizations like CNN and, and um, you know, the New York Times and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, it, it takes smart, hardworking people who kind of can rethink business models. And I'm, I've been really impressed by the people in the industry. Yeah, and that separation for hundreds of years, or the, the yeah, that separation, you know, journalists and and capitalizing on that, uh, that's seems to be changing from your perspective with that publishing background. Do you think that's a good thing that you know that those these two are now kind of being combined, or or like you said, the the model isn't to uh, manipulate the content to sell something, but is it? I mean, it, are people more susceptible to that now? Well, so there's two questions there. Make sure make sure I get to both of them. Uh, the first is, is it a good thing? And look, I, I think that quality content is vital to our world. You know, from you know, it's vital to our democracy. It's vital to our just everyday life to be able to make decisions because uh, there's just you know, ha having good information uh, is is useful. I think as we've all seen. Um, and two, uh, to have good information, you need uh, a business model, right? And it's very clear that, you know, the old business model, you know, failed um, for a lot of reasons. And so is it a good thing? Absolutely. It's a, it's a good thing. It is, it is reviving legacy brands. It is bringing, you know, new models to the market. 
It is, you know, creating, uh, you know, quality content in places that didn't exist before. Um, so it's, it's a fantastic thing, I think. And secondly, I just, I, I'm a big, I'm an optimist. I, I really believe that we are in, you know, the very early stages of fundamental transformation in the information and media market. Um, you know, and a lot of that started in the affiliate space, you know, which is, I think the industry deserves a lot of credit. Um, but, uh, you know, in order for this change to fully take place, you know, one, you need, uh, a business model that gets adopted right across, uh, a, uh, an industry, uh, yep. you know, that, that is operational. It is go to market, uh, it, it, it involves the consumers, right? So readers, uh, have to learn to, what to trust and what to not trust. And that just takes time. Right. Um, but it's fast enough where we've all seen this happen, right? Like it's still amazing to me that people buy mattresses online, right. And read reviews. Totally. Um, and, and I think what's happening is, is readers are just getting savvier and savvier, right? Like 10 years ago, you know, yeah, there are bloggers and there are viewers and this was that, this and that. But now there are big, giant, you know, media companies that are writing really good reviews. I mean, the strategist is great. You know, Wirecutter is great. And, you know, we trust it because we trust the brand. And it takes a while for a brand to gain trust. Like, that's really important. So I think we're just at the very beginning of, you know, building that trust with readers, you know, creating brands that people understand what it means when you read the strategist, right? Oh, that's an affiliate site. Sure. But I, I trust what they're doing. Um and I think that's just a, we're at the very beginning of that. So uh, to answer your two questions, I think the first one is I think it's a great thing. Uh, and two, I think it's a great thing um, because uh, that evolution and the building of trust is going to create good content. And I hope that, you know, expands to um, you know, all types of content, right? Like I, my, my hope is that, hey, all of this review content that is driving a tremendous amount of money uh, allows news organizations to hire journalists uh, who cover local meetings. And, you know, we can have good local journalism in the future, uh, you know, or international journalism and, thing, you know, things that have been lacking lately in terms of coverage. Uh, you know, it's good that a new model is evolving to support uh, all this. Like, we kind of forget that, like, classified went away and, you know, that meant mm -hmm. that, you know, all your local papers had to fire their local reporters and now no one goes to the city council meetings. So no one knows what's happening. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. They, you know, we've seen those news outlets look for uh, a revenue model. And I remember, you know, reaching out to some of them way back when, and, uh, you know, they were still not quite seeing the change that was happening. No one's buying a physical newspaper anymore. Um, the, even the, the, your cable has changed dramatically in the last five years. And so searching for a new model, like you said, everyone needs a model that's adopted. And it looks, looks like uh, the affiliate program is being a big part of that. And, and you know, sometimes we get caught up in this channel, like, you know, what good are we doing in the world? We're selling more stuff. But that's a really interesting perspective. Working with those partners is we're allowing that good flow of information to be done. Uh, gathered and, and put out there. Uh, I hadn't actually thought of it. Like, well, Mike, yeah, tell I, us, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, here's an example that I'm going to steal from a conversation I had last week um, from someone in the industry. And so if they're listening, thank you uh, for this example that really hit home with me. It was, you know, he was like, think about the reviews that, you know, CNN or um, BuzzFeed or the New York Times 
our writing and think about the potential to syndicate those to, uh, you know, the Coeur d'Alene uh, Gazette. I'm making up the name. I don't know what the name of the yeah. paper is. It probably doesn't exist anymore is the problem. But, you know, think about if, if the Coeur d'Alene paper had the ability to syndicate a CNN review that was particularly relevant to people in Idaho, right? And take a cut of that commission and then start to realize that, oh, if we start to create our own uh, review content that's really relevant to this particular region, uh, we can make money and we can rebuild this this business. And so uh, there's we're, that's just an example of how I think we're like very early stages in this and the affiliate industry is helping to, to drive that revenue. Yeah, that's a great example, Mike. Uh, and you know, we, we still have a local paper, but I can see how that uh, can definitely make these things happen. I was writing down uh, some notes, and one of the things I wrote that I, I didn't think I would write is affiliate marketing is good for democracy. So that's not something I thought uh, we'd discover today, but that's a really interesting way to look at it. And it kind of leads me to where you are now and what you're doing now. So tell us about... Uh, you know, the decision to go out on your own and and what is MarTech Record? What are you doing there? Yeah, it's a good transition. And um, so first, back to the issue that I saw uh, while I was working at these SaaS platforms, including PartnerEyes, uh, when we were selling into marketing organizations. You know, what I saw was um, marketers being very good at marketing, but not great at uh, buying technology. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, but one of them became clear to me that there wasn't a lot of uh, good information to help them validate what we were telling them. So, you know, I would tell salespeople, hey, look, you know, go in and give us, you know, give, give them our pitch. And, you know, at, at some point say, hey, look, you know, you, you should go out and validate what we're telling you. Do some research. Um, and, you know, inevitably people would say there's nowhere to do research. Like, what, you know, how do I, you know, how do I follow up? And it occurred to me that the market, and I'll just start, I'll dive into affiliate now, uh, this, but this is true of a lot of marketing uh, channels, it was, the growth was being inhibited uh, because people couldn't validate what we were telling them. You know, at PartnerEyes, you know, in some cases we had a better product that, you know, they, they, could, they could use. Um, but, you know, if you can't go out and show your boss that, hey, look, you know, the sales guy is saying this and I've, I've followed up and I've, I've done the work to prove that, you know, I think they're right and we're going to be able to build a better program because of X, Y, or Z. You can't do that. Uh, you're very unlikely to, to make the purchase, right? And uh, so, and if you're not going to make that purchase, the industry is just going to move slower, right? There's going to be slower adoption of new products. And if there's slower adoption of new products, you know, investors aren't going to invest in your market, right? And so, and, and, and also like advertisers aren't going to invest in your market, right? And so, when people have better information, they make better decisions. And when they make better decisions, industries grow, right? Uh, when you know what the price of a product is, when you know how a product works and you can validate that and trust that, um, when you know who to reach out to, uh, you know, to, to make a sale or, or to buy a product, uh, when you know what the best practices are in an industry, um, you're more likely to invest. Uh, and when you're more likely to invest, investors are more likely to invest and the industry can grow. And so, um, you know, I saw that at McGraw Hill, right? We covered these markets that were giant global markets that wouldn't have existed in, you know, without us providing the pricing, right, of certain products. We, we literally priced oil every day <laughs> and that is really valuable. Um, and so I looked at the affiliate market and what I saw was uh, a industry that was potentially very valuable, um, but, you know, it was riddled with a lot of the 
uh, issues that a trade publisher solves, right? There are um, dozens of uh, networks and platforms. Uh, and let's be honest, no one really knows uh, what any of them uh, do versus the other one, including the salespeople often. Um, there are thousands and thousands of, of publishers um, uh, you know, and growing every day, which is exciting. Um, there are countless ways to compensate uh, those publishers. Uh, and there's no information about, you know, what are the best practices? I mean, there's some stuff out there. Um, but I'm just a big believer that if you shine a light on these things, uh, then the industry uh, has a potential to grow. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, I realized, Jamie, I was like, I'm like, man, we need all these things. You know, who would know how to create a trade publishing business? And I was like, oh, man, I guess I do, right? And it's it's interesting. Uh, there's two things about that. You know, one um, is that, um, you know, the, the MarTech record. So to answer your other question, MarTech record is an independent trade publication uh, that provides reviews of products and services in the affiliate industry, uh, publishes best practices, and provides a degree of analysis on the industry with the mission uh, of you know shining light on the industry and growing the industry. Uh, so a big belief that you know um, we all kind of have the potential to grow this together. Um, so that that's who Martech Record is. I I uh, you know the model um, is very much an old trade publishing model. You know we we get up an audience and we sell sponsorship and advertising against it. Uh, but I'm also a believer that in the future. B two B technology, enterprise level technology, will be sold through an affiliate model, um, and so you know that's the kind of target, the direction of the business. Outstanding, and um, you know one of the questions that comes to mind is as you're building this audience, what have you? Because this is this is really uh, one of the most difficult things in the affiliate channel is how do you do that? So what's been your tactic to build? Uh, to build your audience uh, this far. And, you know, in one of the most uh, unpredictable, probably the most unpredictable crazy times you and I have seen in our lifetime, <laughs> what are you doing to build that audience? Yeah, well, uh, the last year definitely um, was unpredictable. Um, well, let me, let me back up uh, a little bit on that uh, and tell you what I saw in the market. Is my observation is that after traditional publishing companies kind of fell apart, uh, especially trade ones like that I had worked for, uh, what replaced it was uh, technology companies, not content companies and not uh, you know audience-focused companies. So and the, the reason for that is because investors invested in anything that had data or technology attached to it. And mm-hmm. so the replacements were like people who are really good at uh, you know, uh, web scraping and search. But no one was actually good at content, <laughs> like, and I, you know, you, you Google like best affiliate marketing platforms, and you're like, oh, these are all just people who are really good at search and really good at web scraping, but none of the contents any good whatsoever, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would read a bunch of rev- you know like uh, data that would say you know we surveyed ten thousand people in the affiliate industry, and I was like, there are not ten thousand people in the affiliate industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've met them all. <laughs> you know, like this, this doesn't make any sense. And so my reaction to that was to go the opposite direction, right? Which was to go, okay, I don't want to find 10,000 people. You know, I want to find 100 people in the affiliate industry. And I want to uh, ask them real questions and get real content and really engage them. 
And one of the things that appealed to me about affiliate is it's a small industry and, and you really can talk to the whole industry, uh, at least in a regional sense, I think. Uh, globally, that might be difficult. But uh, it appealed to me because you could, do, you, could you could start a trade publication kind of, kind of in a bespoke, old-fashioned way. Um, and so what we did is the first thing I wanted to do was review uh, the platforms and networks. Uh, and I decided that you didn't need 10,000 people. You needed 75 people. And so I went out to uh, people in the industry, yourself included, and I appreciate your help, uh, and said, hey, look, you know, could you nominate you know, five people uh, that you know that uh, have worked on at least three platforms that have expertise across different verticals um, that I can put on a panel, uh, I can survey them, and then I can interview them. Uh, and that's what we did. We created a, you know, a panel of 75 people. Um, I asked around a bunch of people, said, if you got 75 people's, you know, uh, information would that would that qualify uh, as useful? And everyone's like, yeah, that actually would. And so that's how it started: was um, seventy five people who sur- filled out surveys, uh, and then got a phone call from me, and I grilled them on every question so that we actually had like real data oh, wow. and real information. Uh, and then we published uh, a buyer's guide, and the buyer's guide uh, was split in two parts. One was the data that we got from the surveys, saying here here's what people responded to these questions. And the second was like an Amazon-esque review, right? And we just published literally every word everyone said about every platform. Um, and we made them anonymous. And, and we took the, the panelists and we gave them a Slack channel um, where they could connect with each other. And I think one of the affiliate people loved to you know, network. And um, you know, I don't think there had been an opportunity to do that. So that was the, that's what they got out of it, is they got to kind of network with each other and, and be on an expert panel. Uh, and then we got a bunch of great data from them. Uh, and we're going to do the same thing again this year. So we're actually building our panel now. And if I could do a little plug, it's we want to turn that 75 into 150. Uh, and um, so if you're interested, if you're an expert, if you're and when I say an expert, by the way, Jamie, what's important to me is it's not the big wigs like you. Uh, it's people who are actually actively working on programs. So if you're an active affiliate manager, yeah. um, just reach out to me and we'd love which to is why it. you asked who i knew and not if i wanted to join the panel <laughs> i haven't worked That's on right. a, an actual network <laughs> you, in a while you don't my get team to be on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that you haven't managed uh, directly a program in, in, in a couple of years so it's been a uh, while yeah. yeah actually managing the programs day to day and um to me those are the most valuable people right those are the people who are doing the work yeah. and, you know they really know how these platforms work uh, they're giving the feedback, right? You know, they understand how this industry is changing before anybody else. Um, and collecting their insights is is what we do, um, kind of. And then now we publish that in a lot of different ways. We do it through the, uh, the buyer's guide. Uh, we have webinars where, you know, we discuss kind of industry issues. Um, you know, we publish articles that are, you know, sometimes how-to and, and sometimes analysis of the industry or acquisitions and investments that have been made. Did you find any lashback from the network so we're when you were telling me that you 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 know you published word for word uh my immediate kind of reaction was oh man you know some people are going to be pretty pissed off because we're still you know like you said there's not ten thousand people so you can know just about everyone in in the space you know over the span of your career uh and it's all about relationships so that relationship building is important. I think this is why we haven't seen something like this before, 
is because, you know, these these friendships are forged even among competitors. So did you get any pushback from some of this feedback? Did you get uh, I know every time I will if I publish something on our blog and uh, we did this incremental benchmarking tool that allow an advertiser to go through and uh, and see how they rank against the best programs that are driving incremental revenue. Yeah. Uh, and one of the networks was like, hey, uh, I filled this out 11 times to see how each network ranked and uh, my network's not ranked as high as it should be. <laughs> so did you get yeah. anything like that? Any pushback? Yeah, I mean, I mean so um, I think I, what I got was a lot of who the heck is this guy? Um, you know, initially, uh, and in the very beginning, I did get some like, Hey, we should be higher. Um, you know, which, you know, I would expect anyone, uh, you know, who's doing their job well to, to, to want to be higher. Um, but the truth is this, um, I, what I got was this is if you, and I think this is true for anything you do in your career, right? Is if you tell people the truth, uh, and you are very transparent about, you know, where the data comes from, uh, and it ends up being largely correct. Uh, you don't get any pushback, right? And so, yeah, there there were meetings I had where you know there'd be some unflattering uh, feedback, uh, but what I found was the feedback was largely correct. And and when you have that conversation, you know it's a hard conversation, but you have to be uh, honest and direct. You know, people appreciate it, and um, you know it, you also position it as a, these are the areas where you can improve, right? Um, and over here are areas where you have strategic advantages with your clients. And if you have that kind of conversation, it becomes a more strategic conversation, right? Um, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there telling them they're bad at stuff that they're actually good at, you know, then they're just not going to take you seriously. But if it's, if it's honest feedback and you come by that feedback, honestly, and you are clear about it, um, I didn't have anybody, um, have a problem with that. And if anything, it probably created. Uh, stronger relationships uh, and reinforce that, you know, this is generally an industry of pretty good people. Um, and if anything, I've formed much better relationships uh, than I even had had before. So, so yeah, there were some people who were like, who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, we got past that pretty quick uh, once we kind of looked at the data and, you know, I, look, I also um, am very passionate about sharing all the data we have. We're not trying to hide anything. And, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're, 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 I'm really bad at, you know, phrases like what's the, we, we eat our own, uh, I don't know, like we, we're trying to, you know, we say the industry should be really, really transparent. Well, so are we, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. if we got some information, I'm happy to show you exactly where we got it, exactly what it says uh, and exactly what it says about your competitors too. And so um, if you build a strong relationship like that, you know, people uh, I think appreciate it more over time. And I would think because the feedback isn't coming from MarTech Record, it's coming from real people that were surveyed and, and uh, you spoke with. Um, and we do something similar. Uh, we will give affiliate feedback to our clients. So if uh, you know they want to run their program X way and the affiliates need it Y way, we will provide that feedback directly from the affiliates. And that always carries a little more weight than uh, you know the, the messenger. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I think I also have uh, uh, weirdly an advantage um, by, by not being an affiliate expert, you know, I, I have never run an affiliate marketing campaign, you know, and I have, mm -hmm. uh, I say that a lot. It's like, I, I'm not the affiliate expert. I, I, my expertise is trade publishing. Um, so, you know, what I'm telling you, it really, I couldn't tell it to you any other way because I don't have the expertise to, right? Like, I'm just telling you yeah, what this yeah. person said. 
And so it gives me a, I, I think it's an advantage for, for me and from our tech record in, in that, you know, I have enough in, information about the industry uh, to, to see where it's going. Uh, but I'm not an expert in the sense that I run programs. And, and as I said, those are the people who are uh, who have the real valuable information. And, um, you know, th- that's what, <laughs> you know, so anyway, I'm no expert. And that gives me a weird advantage. I think it does. And you're not, the, you know, we have associations like the, the uh, PMA, uh, but they're funded and, and members include the people you'd be reporting on. So you're in this unique spot of not beholden to anyone. Uh, and that gives you a really uh, unique advantage to share really transparent uh, information. Um, what are some of the other things that, so you got the buyer's guide. Um, what else is uh, part of MarTech Record? Yeah, so you know, right now, uh, I think you would look at us and, and think of us as a pretty typical trade publication. So uh, we launched with the buyer's guide. Um, you know, that was... Uh, we spent a reasonable amount of time on that in, in 2020, um, and that created what I think was a reasonable kind of center of gravity around what we were doing. You know, people, um, it was a good representation. Um, and then in 2021, you know, it's a matter of um, creating more content uh, and then figuring out how to kind of productize that. And so uh, the two things, uh, the three things that have probably been most uh, successful um, one is a webinar series. So we have a, a webinar once a month where uh, we pick a topic, uh, we cover that topic, we bring experts on uh, and discuss the topic. And um, this sounds pretty simple, but what I found is um, it, it's a little different than people are used to. So uh, we have sponsors for the webinar, right? So we get, you know, impact sponsored one, we have partnerize a sponsored one. Um, we have some some other sponsors coming up, but you know these are typically the the you know the uh, the technology or, or networks have been involved as as sponsors. Um, and I think what's different is you know we don't have them on the panel, right? And you know we say, look, you know we're gonna we're gonna build our own panel. And we're gonna talk about what we want to talk about. Um, they tend to sponsor the topics that are relevant to them that you know that they are involved in and they're the issues that they're helping solve. Um, but the conversation is our own. Um, and uh, what I often say is, hey, look, you know, if you want to put your CEO uh, on a webinar, you know, you can build your own webinar. <laughs> like, you don't need me to do that. Um, the people who are joining our webinars are, are genuinely interested in this topic and want to debate it, right? We want to kind of figure out how to solve whatever problem it is we're, we're talking about uh, or want to learn uh, about what's happening in the future. And so I, I think what's happened is, you know, the, the listeners of the webinar, the attendees rather, uh, have started to really see some real value in, in that type of conversation. And the advertisers are starting to see like, oh, you know, the people who register here really care about this topic and these are good people to talk to, right? You know, so obviously it becomes a lead gen tool for for an advertiser as well. And I, I you know, uh, we're still early days here, but I think they're, they're finding a lot of value in the people who are engaging with us. Uh, so there's that. Uh, we've also, <laughs> Jamie, I encourage you to join the next one. We've, um, we've started this kind of monthly happy hour. And yeah. uh, I gotta say, like I don't, uh, I don't deserve the credit for this. Uh, this was the panel that we created was really missing uh, Vegas and uh, ASW, and started suggesting, hey, can we get together on a Zoom call and just have a couple beers and you know talk about <laughs> stuff? And so yeah. I was like, yeah, they all hosted and promote it and see what happens. And uh, 
I got to admit, I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know who's going to show up to have a beer with me on a Zoom call. Uh, but it turns out a lot of people want to. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is, you know, people who haven't seen each other in a year and we're really missing, uh, you know, the camaraderie that Affiliate has. And so we've started this, um, you know, monthly Zoom happy hour in which uh, it's combination just fun connecting and then also topical. So we'll pick like five topics We'll split into uh, different breakout rooms, and we'll have each each room have to come back and present their findings. And you know, it's it's fun stuff. Like people usually come up with some, you know, in the future where everything is run by affiliate, we're going to have flying cars. Um, but and then it also allows people to, to network, right? So there's obviously a lot of yeah. you know people DMing back and forth through uh, Slack channel and things like that. Um, so that's been really successful. Uh, and then uh, we've recently launched a newsletter. Um, you know, as we get more and more content, the newsletter starts to make sense. Uh, and that's and that's been pretty successful as well. So you know these are basic uh, trade publishing uh, tools, um, and uh, you know the objective for us is to keep growing the audience and keep driving that engagement. Yeah, and I definitely I love that. I didn't know how much I would love a happy hour. I haven't joined one with you guys, but we the PMA I'm on the board of, and we just did a, a two day virtual summit, and uh, we had uh, cocktail hours, happy hours in each of those, and uh, I didn't realize how much. I miss seeing everybody. Uh, and we ran our own, uh, you know, virtual offsite for JEB Commerce. And we did a happy hour, everyone in one room for an hour. Uh, and that wasn't as effective as like what you guys do, where you go into breakout rooms and what the PMA did. That breakout room and, and then mixing it up and meeting, you know, being able to network and seeing people super, super vital right now. Um, and I was on your, your last webinar. And I wanted to ask you a question. As a, a vet of this industry since 99, so 22 years now, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I just had to change the size of my font on my laptop and then saying <laughs> 22 years in this space, I feel so old. But they, everyone seemed to agree on the panel, including yourself, that we're in the first inning of this affiliate stuff. So sometimes when I heard that, I'm like, I've been doing this for 22 years. I'm thinking we're at the seventh inning stretch here. Tell, can you tell me a little bit why, why do you think we're so early still? Yeah, well, first, it wasn't me who, who said that. It was the panelists. I want to give them credit uh, for that. And, and uh, thanks for joining that. Um, you know, for, for those listening who didn't see the panel, it, it was composed of uh, investors from the industry. And, and these are guys who are, uh, you know, top tier investment firms, Lazard, Methuselah, and, and Ben Faw, who founded uh, Best Reviews out of Harvard Business School. Um, so these are guys who have what I would call a broad perspective on the industry, right? Uh, and I think you and I and a lot of us tend to have a more narrow focus, right? Um, and so when we think about you know what inning we're in, uh, we just tend to think of it as farther along because you're more narrowly focused on a particular game. Um, and these guys are thinking about it um, from the broad, uh, you know, just advertising and marketing industry perspective, right? And what they see, uh, which I thought was really valuable, was, hey, you've got uh, search uh, and social, uh, which are kind of maxed out, right? They're like, I, the quote was, Instagram's full, <laughs> like, which yeah. I love that quote. And so as investors, they're like, okay, why would I invest in search and social right now? Like, it, it's been totally automated. Um, it's hard to find a deal, right? If you're an advertiser on Facebook, it's not like five years ago where you could create some funky brand, put it on Instagram and, and sell your company like a million dollars. Um, and so broadly speaking, you know, they're looking at all these other marketing channels and saying, 
those have already been made efficient, right? Like, you know, the, the, the automation is there um, and it's hard to get a deal, right? So, so that broadly leads them to affiliate where they realize, oh man, this is this still incredibly fractured market. Uh, it's, it's still a market in which if you work hard, you can find a good return on your investment, right? As an, as an advertiser, right? Uh, so there's the opportunity to automate a lot of that. Um, you know, there's still an opportunity uh, to get uh, a return uh, on your cost of acquiring a customer in a way that there isn't in other industries. So that's this kind of like broad uh, view, right? And then when you talk to them about like, what is it about affiliate specifically, right? And this is where I think most of our jobs come into play. You know, what they talk about is, hey, you know, the market for affiliate is going to explode, right? So uh, on one level, the publishing industry uh, this is a point they made over and over, is the publishing industry has yet to even come close to tapping into all the potential for uh, commerce content, whether it be uh, traditional publishers, new ones that are growing, um, you know, influencers, things like that. Like, we think, like, we're covering that. We're not even close, right? Like, uh, and they gave a bunch of examples. Um, the best one was this old house where uh, I think it was Blake talked about... Um, you know, he was looking at this old house and acquiring it. Uh, I can't remember if Marshall or Blake ended up uh, being the banker who facilitated the deal, but they were getting a bunch of calls from other private equity guys who never even thought of affiliate as a way to monetize all that bench of content that this old house has. Like these are smart private equity guys doing their due diligence. And this was something that they never considered, you know, right? So think about all the other properties that are out there that are sitting around that have not been monetized or even they're not even thinking about monetizing that, right? The second point was um, kind of within the e-commerce landscape, um, you know, affiliate still is tiny and, and, it, and it should be much bigger, right? So that, that was a big point uh, that was being made. And, and the final one, right, is just e-commerce in general, right? And Ben Fa made this uh, interesting point, which he, he has a, such a clear way of speaking that I'm sure I'll butcher all of it. But, uh, you know, his point was, look, you know, there's some people reporting that 20% of commerce now is e-commerce. He's like, that's not even close. It's way under that, right? If you think about all the services out there, the business services, um, if you think about, you know, the big products like cars, I think Blake brought that out. None of the enterprise software, for example, um, that all will be sold uh, through e-commerce eventually. And so we're sitting at like 5% penetration of e-commerce. So if you combine that we're only 5% penetrated in e-commerce with the fact that you know, most publishers still aren't even touching uh, or even monetizing a very large percentage of their content through affiliate. Uh, you've got just massive amounts of, of growth and change that are going to happen over the next 10 to 20 years. And so, you know, they were saying, each of them agreed, we're in the first half of the first inning, not just the first inning, which I think for anyone listening has to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I when they first said that, I'll be honest, you know, I was like, Maybe I'm just the the old grizzled vet is telling new kids to get off my lawn, uh, but was thinking, what are you talking about? But that example of uh, this old house was fantastic. And yeah. even I've been doing this a long time and I've done some really unique uh, partnerships uh, that, you know, were, you know, not the norm. Uh, that opened my eyes to, like you just said, like that penetration is so small right now. Uh, so huge, huge opportunity. Um, that's a really yeah, good answer. I, I appreciate about, Yeah. I mean, if I, if I follow that up, like I think about MarTech Record. I mean, I thought of this as a affiliate business in the future. It's not right now, uh, but it will be. 
you know, in three to five years is, is, is what I think. And, and I think, you know, what you and I probably think about, right, is I think what's in the seventh inning is, or maybe the fifth inning or something like that, is the transformation of the coupon and deal space into digital, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, th- th- that is a game that's far farther along, right? Is if you go back 30 years, people forget there was a giant coupon industry, right? And uh, you know, that, that got disrupted by affiliate, right? And, you know, affiliate is, it was the innovators in that industry uh, and has, I think we're close to the, you know, we're, we're, the relief pitching is coming in there, right? Um, you know, there's still growth to happen and there's still a lot going on there, but uh, we're farther along. But when you think of just, I'm going to directly pay someone uh, who drove a sale through a piece of content, you know, that's where we're in the first thing. Super, super exciting. So what is next for MarTech Record? What are you guys planning this year? Are you, uh, it sounded like you're doing another network and platform buyer's guide. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, uh, last year was really, you know, how do we kind of uh, build a base of content is what I like to say. And, and that base, the goal there was, you know, let's create some legitimacy and trust in the market. I think that was the primary thing. And the first quarter here really was, all right, now that we've done that, you know, can we build a business out of this? And, and I think the, you know, the clear answer has been yes. Uh, there is a market for this information, uh, both on the uh, reader side and on the advertiser side. So uh, that, you know, begs the question of what's next. Uh, and for us, uh, it's very clear that uh, producing quality independent content uh, is what was successful. And so, you know, the next couple of quarters is really focusing on improving that. Like, how do we create more better content. Uh, part of that is uh, the next buyer's guide that comes out. I think we did a reasonable job on the first one. I think it can be a lot better. I think we need a bigger, more representative panel. Um, so if you're out there and you're working on an affiliate uh, uh, program, I would love to hear from you. Um, and then uh, keep continuing to build out uh, these webinars uh, and other you know, types of content as well. We're, we have a video series coming up. Uh, there's some educational units that we're planning on doing in Q4. Um, so that's kind of the immediate next year. And as I've said, I really believe that uh, SaaS uh, marketing technology companies in the next three to five years uh, will use affiliate as a main channel of driving revenue. And so you know, we want to be in a place uh, in three years where uh, you know whoever the players in the market are, I'm not going to predict who at this point because there's so much consolidation going on, um, you know, will use uh, MarTech record uh, as a way of driving uh, a sale that is measurable. Part of that's because the tech is getting much, much better where you can measure those things. Um, and part of it is because the readers are getting used to reading quality reviews online, trusting them and making purchases. Um, and that's thanks to people like you. So uh, I appreciate all that you guys are doing. Well, uh, you're welcome. I really like what you guys are doing now. You mentioned that you're looking for more people on the panel. How exactly can one of our listeners or 175 of our listeners, uh, how can they get in touch with you and see if they are the right fit for your panel? Yeah, it's, it's great. First, if anyone wants to follow MarTech Record, just you know, on the site, there's a sign up or you can follow us on, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, if you sign up on the site, we'll have all your contact information and be able to re- reach out to you. Um, but look, you can just reach out to me directly via LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. Um, you know, feel free to, you know, you know, connect with me and, and send me a quick note saying, you know, hey, I'd love to be involved in the panel. Um, and then I can send you uh, a form to fill out that just make sure we've captured that. Um, we're looking for about uh, about 50 more people. I think we got about 100 right now. And um, 
yeah, if you're actively managing a program, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Awesome. And I will include a link to your profile in the uh, in the episode uh, notes. Well, Mike, this has been enlightening. And uh, I mean, hey, we covered everything from a high school yeah. radio show to... Uh, <laughs> to the SaaS world and networks and platforms. Um, love what you guys are doing over there. You know, uh, honored to, uh, you know, to be able to provide input uh, early on. I know some of our team members are uh, involved and really uh, like what you're doing over there. So uh, definitely keep that up. Uh, best way to contact you is on LinkedIn. Um, is there any other areas that we can follow MarTech Record or follow you? Really, it's uh, you know LinkedIn. We have a good following. Uh, the easiest way is signing up on Martech Record. You'll get the newsletter, um, and uh, you know that's where you'll get kind of all of your information. We tend we we don't we don't uh, we don't overwhelm people. We probably send two or three emails a month, uh, but they tend to be really valuable. It's a newsletter that is everything we do, and then any events that are upcoming, you'll you'll find out about. Um, so that's what I would encourage people to do. But if anyone wants to connect okay. with me on LinkedIn, that's a great way. I'm very responsive there. So. And one last plug too is any of any of the events you join uh, gets you an invite to our Slack channel. There are different levels of the Slack channel. The panelists have a private access, um, but any, anytime you sign up for an event, uh, you, you're part of the broader community where there's a lot of great discussion going on around uh, jobs and trends and news and things like that. And so, we'd love to have you over there as well. Awesome. Well, I will include links to the sign up uh, into your LinkedIn profile. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is one I've been excited for. Uh, and I think it definitely this conversation delivered. So thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate uh, you having me. Thanks for uh, all your help out there. And uh, don't be afraid to give Lawrence Welk a listen. He's not he's not so bad. You know. Oh, hey, I agree with you. I listen to Lawrence Welk and Liberace with my Nana, who probably isn't watching this right now, but she has a 94th birthday coming up. So I, I'm not hating on, on either of those at all. all right. well, she, she's got good taste and happy birthday. All right. See you, Mike. So, wow, the top half of the first inning, that's where we are in affiliate marketing. Were you as surprised to think that as I was? Uh, definitely you want to watch uh, their webinars and be involved in that. They have some really fantastic guests and some topics. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining us today on this call. Now, if you are an affiliate manager or, or you have managed programs on multiple networks, uh, that is one of the key things, probably the key thing for MarTech Record and their buyer's guide. They are going through that right now and recruiting probably another 50, uh, 50 panel members. So if you've managed programs on uh, different networks, that could be different programs on different networks, then Mike wants to hear from you and you can go to his LinkedIn. We have it in the show description, uh, but you can just search for Michael McNerney in LinkedIn and find that. Let him know that you are interested in joining the panel and let him know that you found it on the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. So hopefully how the affiliate channel is good for democracy was answered for you today. I hope that you had your view of the channel kind of exploded out a little bit. That envelope stretched today uh, in that definitely the example of uh, this old house and, and what that team is doing there. So again, if you need uh, any help with your affiliate marketing, with your affiliate channel, you just have questions you want to bounce off somebody, you can email me at gethelp at jebcommerce.com or you can set up time at camelly.com slash Jamie Birch with me directly. And hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, will you share it for me? Send it out there on Facebook, on Twitter, and, 
everywhere else in the internet. Uh, get it out there to everybody. And I would love for you to leave a five-star review at an Apple podcast system or Stitcher, uh, Spotify, any of those would really appreciate. And if you would like to be a guest or you know someone who I should have on as a guest, you can just email me at gethelp at jbcommerce.com and we will handle it from there. So thank you for listening. If there are any other topics or ideas you want uh, on this podcast, just let me know. Hope you have a wonderful day.